0: Good morning, church.
1: Let's stand together this
0: morning as we get ready for worship. And say hi to somebody.
1: have
2: a seat. I wanted to apologize. I got distracted uh, there because there was a big hustle and bustle in the balcony. My grandson has made it to church this morning. and My mom and dad are up there, so it's going to be noisy and a lot of crying and stuff up there. So, All
1: right. Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. How are you all this morning? Good. It's a beautiful, beautiful day outside, and it's a wonderful day to have the opportunity to come in here and just worship the Lord together. Uh, my name is Jonathan Brewster. I am the uh, leader of the student ministry and young adult ministry here at Burlington Baptist Church. I'd just like to take a moment and welcome our guests that are here with us this morning and say, you know, welcome, we're glad you're here. Uh, if you are a guest with us this morning, we do have a way that we like to try to stay connected with our guests and kind of get to know you a little bit uh, more after uh, your visit with us here. Uh, those are our connection cards Uh, we actually have two ways that you can get those so we have them like paper copies out in our uh, starting point desk out in the atrium and there's also QR codes on the back of the chairs that you can scan and kind of fill one out online through that and so that card just allows us to get a little bit of your information and to just kind of keep up with you and so if you're here with us this morning we'd love for you to fill one of those out if you're here worshiping with us online uh, welcome we're excited that you took the time to uh, worship together with us uh, just through that online method. And, and you can also fill out a connection card uh, through the link on our website if you're worshiping with us online. And so I'd like to highlight a couple things we've got going on in the church right now. Uh, one exciting thing, we've got a marriage retreat that is coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, today is kind of the, the last day to uh, sign up for that. I believe there are still a couple uh, spots that are open. And so if that's something you're interested in, please let us know. I believe uh, Chip and Brandy Ramsey are kind of the ones that are in charge of that. But if you let anybody on staff know, we can kind of direct you to them. And then we've got some exciting uh, mission opportunities coming up this summer. One that I'm really excited about, we've got uh, uh, VBS is coming up. It's that first full week of June. And so uh, my wife and I are are really excited about that because uh, we've never got to see VBS at Burlington. And so... We're excited to see kind of how that goes and everything and just be a part of that. And VBS is always a really exciting time, especially for kids as they're growing up. And so we're excited to be a part of that this year. And we'd love for you guys to be a part of that too. Uh, we have lots of different ways that you can volunteer and help out with that. They need people uh, leading kids around, uh, people behind the scenes. There's, there's room for everybody if, you, uh, if you're interested in serving with that. Uh, let us know at the church office or let Beth know. And then finally, we've got our Gospel to Every Home initiative that we've kind of been uh, talking about the past couple weeks. And uh, we are going to be taking the gospel packets out into our area and trying to reach every home in our area uh, just for, for God and to let people know more about Christ and let people know more about the gospel. And so this afternoon, we're going to be having a packing party. We're going to be putting together all those packets that we're taking out Uh, We're going to be doing that at 3 o'clock today, so if you guys would please come this afternoon, and we'll pray over those packets, and we'll start to to put them together, and then if you're interested in going out and and being a part of that, feel free to register online. You get a t-shirt, and we'll train you to go out and do evangelism in our area, and so at this point, I'd like to uh, invite up Beth and Harold, and they'd like to talk a little bit more about that. (laughs) Well, thank you, Pastor Harold, for coming back to my house today. You know, you came a few weeks ago and explained a little bit about church. And, you know, I've not been a very good person, but I wanted you to come back today and maybe tell me a little bit more.
0: First, thank you for letting us come back. Not everybody invites us to come back, but we're glad to be back. And uh, Beth, a few weeks ago, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Jesus and the gospel. We said God has a design for our lives. And we miss that through sin and that leads to brokenness, and we talked about brokenness, and we talked about the gospel that Jesus came and died for our sins and rose again, and uh, if we turn from our sins and believe upon Jesus, we can be saved. And uh, I left some gospel materials last time, Beth, and and uh, I left that little packet about uh, steps to peace with God. And uh, if you'd have just a moment, I'd love to just kind of
3: that'd be great, walk yes. yes,
0: with you through that. Well. course you know god loves you and he wants you to experience peace and life and not just life but abundant life jesus said i come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly now that begs the question why is it that people don't uh many people don't have peace and abundant life uh that god planned for them well we talked about sin and and that's the problem beth is is that we sin We, we all sinned and we fall short of the glory of god and uh you see in this picture this uh, there's this uh, gap between us and God. God is holy, and we're sinners. And uh, God hates sin, and so uh, we're separated from God. And Beth, that's the biggest problem that we have. And uh, we try different things to, to kind of bridge that gap between ourselves and God. Uh, we've talked about some people try to do good things, or go to church, or just be a moral person. Lots of things that people try Uh, But as you can see, we're still separated from God because He is completely separated from sin. And so this kind of gives us an illustration that God's bridge is the cross of Jesus. And uh, Jesus came, and again, He died on that cross to pay the penalty for our sins and provide for us a way to be saved. And, uh, you know, it says here that... uh, 1 Timothy two, five. there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And so Jesus became man, and so He can represent us. Jesus was God, and so He can relate to God. And so He offers to uh, to provide a way for us uh, to be made right with God uh, through the cross. And, uh, and so we've talked about that a little bit, why Jesus died for us, and... Uh, to be saved, you have to personally uh, believe and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior.
1: So how do I do that? I mean,
0: yeah, what what yeah. do I need
2: to do if that's something that I feel in my heart that I need to do?
0: Okay, well, good. I'm glad you asked. The John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And so on this diagram here, uh, you know, we're in our sin, rebellion against God, we're separated from God, and God invites us through Jesus uh, to, to be forgiven, to have peace, and so, uh, Beth, to answer your question, you, first you admit that you're a sinner. And uh, we, we've talked about sin. Uh, not only admit, but be willing to turn from your sin and to turn to Jesus and, and to believe in Jesus and uh, His sacrifice on the cross for your sins. And, uh, and then just through faith to call upon Jesus. And we often do that through prayer. And uh, there's a little prayer in this pamphlet and, and basically, Beth, what it does is it just says, God, I know I'm a sinner, and uh, I want to turn from my sins, I want your forgiveness, and uh, I, I, I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again, and I want to trust Jesus, and, and I want Him to, to be my Lord and Savior. And uh, this is kind of just a prayer, the words isn't what's important, it's, it's your desire of your heart, and uh, I'd love to walk with you through that prayer, if that's something that you're ready to you know, to believe in Jesus today. Alright. So church, one of the things that we'll do in our Gospel to Every Home is uh, we'll also have some gospel tracts to leave with people. And uh, this gives them an opportunity to kind of uh, review the gospel. It uh, also gives us an opportunity to kind of walk with them through that and answer their questions. And, uh, and so we want to invite you to come out today at 3. And uh, we're going to pray. We'll be downstairs. Uh, we'll pray. And then we'll put these materials together. And... Uh, it won't take long if we have a lot of people turn out. So I, I'd love for you to join us this afternoon. Uh, let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the gospel. And uh, it's your power and the salvation to everyone who believes. And we thank you that Jesus would come and give his life on the cross for sinners like us. And that through faith we can have our sins forgiven and be saved. And uh, we want to go and, and tell the world this good news. And so equip your, your church for that. And uh, use us, and uh, we'll give you all the praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can stand back up with us. Josh is going to lead this next song for us. And um, it talks about the power that comes with being in the Father's house. And I know sometimes, you know, we come to church on Sundays with really heavy burdens on our heart. But Jesus tells us in the book of Matthew to come all who are burdened and weary, and He will give us rest. So I just want to encourage you, if you have something heavy on your heart this morning, to just give it to God, and He will give your soul rest. Yeah. can
2: have a seat. Well, good morning, church. It is good to see you guys in the sun outside. We want to sing a song for you this morning, and if you know the words to it, sing along with us. But uh, it's about um, God and Him fulfilling all of His promises, and and we are thankful for that. He said He's going to do something, He's going to do it, and that's pretty awesome. Uh, And also about just inviting Him in, uh, into church with us this morning as we worship, and into your hearts. So, Sing with us if you know this one.
3: The world Hearts continue learning. For our King is soon returning. As we hold this assurance, Spirit come, Spirit come, Spirit come. glory repair is out. Pour it out. Let Your love run over here and now. Let Your glory. Let your love run over here and now, let your glory fill this house, fill this house.
0: Amen. If you want to turn to John chapter 4 this morning, we're going to look at an encounter with Jesus. And uh, I feel like we ought to give Danny a little more opportunity to tell us that Ledger Scott is in the house. He's up there. Up there. Where's he at? You see him? There he There's is. Ledger Scott up there. All right. All right. He is a good-looking young man. And uh, Danny's already complained this week that Tina was hogging him one day. And wouldn't let him have a hold of him and so i don't know sounds like there might be some conflict there over who gets the whole ledger the most but uh, we're glad you're here this morning we're in a an evangelistic series uh we're going to talk about an encounter with jesus and uh, again uh we're going to pack some uh gospel materials this afternoon Uh, somebody asked me if this was casual day i I don't normally dress in a t-shirt but Uh, We made this cool t-shirt for those who are going to go out with gospel to every home and uh, when you sign up to To help us uh, it asks you what size you wear And uh, we'd love for you to have a t-shirt as well And so uh, you sign up you can sign up on our website or even out there by the desk. We have an ipad We'll help you sign up today and uh, we're gonna pray. We'll be downstairs We're gonna pray and then we're gonna pack those and have a good time today uh, But we're in John 4 this morning, and we're going to look at a conversation uh, between Jesus and a woman in the little town of Sachar who came out uh, in the middle of the day to get some water. And uh, we're going to kind of hear her story uh, in John 4, 18. She's been married five times. Uh, She's living with a guy who's not her husband. And uh, it's this outcast, this lady who's kind of been marginalized probably this foreign lady that Jesus uh, decides to have a conversation uh, about life, and in particular, eternal life. And uh, I want us to to read this, and so I invite you to stand. We're going to read verses 1 through 26. Some of you might have studied this a little bit in your Bible study group, and uh, it's good, isn't it? Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, that would be John the Baptist, uh, although Jesus himself had not bat- did not baptize, only the disciples, he left Judea, departed again for Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sachar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, Was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, so it's about noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When He comes, He'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we might recognize Jesus as the promised Messiah today. We thank You that Jesus comes and He offers to forgive our sins, and to give us living water. Give us eternal life. Satisfy our souls like nothing else in this world can. And I pray today Your Spirit might speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray You would remove any distractions that would keep us from hearing Your Word. And I pray that we would be receptive. And I pray that someone might, like this woman, respond to the offer of salvation from Jesus. And we'll give You praise for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated, and we're going to jump right in there. So verse 3 said that Jesus left Judea, and he departed again for Galilee. Galilee is to the north, and uh, he had to pass, verse 4, through Samaria. And so on our map, you see Judea, and Samaria is right north of that, and uh The thing is, the Jews, when they were traveling to Galilee, most often they would go east. That little blue line is the Jordan River. They would go east there uh, to go to Galilee because they didn't want to go through Samaria. They didn't want to encounter any Samaritan people. But Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And Jesus knew that there was a lost woman in Samaria that needed to hear the good news of salvation. And so my first point this morning is just to be on the lookout for gospel opportunities. Be on the lookout for gospel opportunities. God often brings those to us, and I'd encourage you to ask for them first thing in the morning. God, give me an opportunity today to tell someone about Jesus, and then go out there and look for opportunities. Now, verse 6 says that uh, Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, uh, was sitting beside the well so it's about noon, the sixth hour, and, and Jesus was all about looking for gospel opportunities. And uh, uh, He's not going to let His weariness stop Him. I think about Jesus, even, you remember when He's hanging on the cross? Now this would have been after He'd been scourged, and after He had made His way up to Gargotha, and they nailed drew, Driven nails in his hands and feet. Even after all that agony, Jesus is still extending salvation to a thief on the cross. And so, as I think about Jesus, I think it's worth taking a moment and just in regards to gospel work, don't allow fatigue to deter you. Don't allow fatigue. Listen, we're always looking for excuses. Here's the truth we're all busy, and we're all busy all the time. Amen. Is everybody, you know, busy? Yeah, even in ministry, we can get so busy that we miss some of our most important opportunities to speak about the most important thing in the world. And that most important thing is Jesus Christ and his salvation. Listen, the enemy loves to keep us busy and distracted and and weary. But Jesus knew that the condition of this lady's soul was more important than his fatigue. And uh, that, that just caught me. This, I mean, I, I'm often, I sometimes make excuses. Well, I've, you know, I've preached all morning, and so I'm going to not worry about gospel opportunities at lunch. No. Always look for those opportunities. Verse 7 says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Church, I want you to understand the, the cultural context here. Jews didn't care for Samaritans. They, they were considered half-breeds. When the Assyrians came and took all the northern kingdom, they took them, dispersed them in Assyria and other places. And they, they left some of the Jews there in Israel. And and they sent other people there. And the Jews intermarried with some of those people. And and they ended up with Samaritans. And so the Jews considered them as, as half-breeds, in a sense. And so there were these racial issues. The Jews despised the Samaritans. We also got going on here the fact that Jewish men, especially teachers, rabbis like Jesus, would never publicly interact with a lady. And so there were some gender issues going on. And yet with all that, verse 7 says, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. That would have been shocking to this woman. Verse 9 says, "The, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it you a Jew? Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. And John tells us, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And so she's shocked by even the request. Verse 10, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Church, I want you to see that Jesus was more concerned about giving this woman the gift of eternal life than he was in getting caught up in the cultural norms of his day. I think this is a point worth making, but don't allow cultural biases to deter you. Don't allow cultural biases to deter you. Listen, we live in a day and an age and a culture that wants us to be divided over all kinds of things. Our culture wants us to be divided over our skin color, over nationalities, over social economics, over political affiliations, you name it. Our culture wants us to fight over those things. And Jesus comes along and says, don't get caught up in that. We have living water. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we want to offer that to those who need it. Listen, Jesus was no respecter of persons, amen? Amen. And we know from revelations that in the kingdom, there's going to be people from every tongue, tribe, nation, and peoples. And they're going to be there because they're part of the family of God. And they're going to worship at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to be there together. And so, uh, get over these cultural biases and share the good news. Now, verses 11 through 15, they have a conversation about water and about this well, and and you can read about that. But Jesus sees this as an opportunity to talk about uh, how He gives living water. He is able to satisfy the thirst of our souls like nothing else in this world can satisfy and then their conversation in verse 16, if you want to skip down to there, it kind of makes an abrupt transition. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, we might read this and we'll say, wait just a minute, Jesus, you're about to run this train right off the track. But the truth is, Jesus is really getting to this lady's heart. And uh, Jesus, if we read about Him in the Gospels, He's always, always honest with people. And so I think it's maybe important enough for us to make this a separate point in this story. And so number two is just to be honest with people. The church, we often hesitate to talk about sin. Well, listen, sin's a big deal. Sin separates us from God. Sin leads us to hell. I, I, I would say that qualifies it to be a pretty big deal. And so we need to be honest with people. They're not okay in their sin. They're not okay outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I, I have two sub points here, and we know these, but uh, besides our sin, people have hardships and people have hang-ups and often they're not willing to admit that. Notice her response in verse 17. The woman answered him, I have no husband. He said, go call your husband and come here. She says, I have no husband. And, uh, and, and we know that uh, it's not really a lie because she's not married, but she doesn't realize who she's talking to she's talking to Jesus who is God in the flesh and he knew all about her he knew her story and he graciously goes right to the issue the core issue in her life and so in verse 17 Jesus said to her you're right in saying I have no husband verse 18 for you have had five husbands the one you now have is not your husband what you said is true so he's honest with her and what does she do? What does she do? She does the same thing we often do. We try to change the subject sometimes, don't we? And so in verse 19, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers, verse 20, worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Listen, there's no need talking about my husbands. We have a theological discussion to have, and it's about where which mountain we're supposed to worship on. And so she's avoiding being honest with Jesus. And in that man's tendency. We tend to want to hide the truth from others. We want to hide the truth from God. We want to uh, blame others. We, we, I mean, that goes all the way back to the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, they, they immediately went and hid. And even when God confronted them in the sin, you remember Adam, he blamed Eve, and then they blamed the serpent, and they had uh, all kinds of... Listen, that's what we do. We, we often we don't want to be confronted in our sin. We're dishonest with God. We blame others. I just want to say this morning, it's okay to be honest with God. He, he knows that we're broken, that we're a mess, that we're sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in that boat together. We're, we're sinners. Now, some of us come to, to John 4 and we see Jesus confronting sin head on and we, we, uh, we think, uh, well, that's not very sensitive Of Jesus to do that. Uh, It's insensitive for Jesus to open up these past wounds in her life. And we might ask the question, why would Jesus even bring this to the forefront? And I want to answer that question for you. Because Jesus doesn't just desire to confront us in our sins. He desires to cover over our sins. We all have sin in this room. If I said, who's sinners? All of us should raise our hands. We either try to cover it ourselves... Or we let God cover it through faith in Jesus. Those are the options. We can try to cover it ourselves, or we can ask God to cover it uh, through the sacrifice of Jesus. And listen, praise be to God that He took the initiative to come to us in the person of Jesus Christ and basically say, I will expose your sins so that I might cover it through my blood. That's what He accomplished for us at the cross. Johnny Hunt used to say, whatever you cover, God will uncover. Whatever you cover, God will uncover. Whatever you uncover, God will cover. Well, that's pretty good. You got to think about it for a little bit. But listen, we try to cover stuff. Listen, it's, it's going to be uncovered by God. But when we expose it, He will cover it through His sacrifice. And we can't see our, our sin covered in grace until it's exposed. And here's what's good. God, God delights in taking the, the filthiest of sinners and cleansing our sins with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, with the blood that He shed on the cross. Listen, church, He delights in that. And yet at the same time, He will not be mocked. He will not be, re- there's this discussion here in, in verse, 21 and 22 about worship and and listen it's he's not going to be mocked when we come in here and we sit and act like we don't sin and we pretend that either we don't have sin or that our sin's no big deal church it is a big deal it required jesus to go to a cross a guy named cornelius plattinger wrote this for the christian church Even in its recently popular worship trends, for the Christian church to ignore, euphemize, or otherwise mute the lethal reality of sin is to cut the nerve of the gospel. For the sober truth is that without full disclosure of sin, the gospel of grace becomes imperitent, unnecessary, and ultimately uninteresting. And so if we come in here and we don't talk about sin and we pretend that everything is great and there's no sins in our lives, listen, we might walk out feeling good, but we have cut the nerve of the very gospel that brings us together. And it's only when we come before God and, and, and we're, we're real in our sins and we say, God, I, there's there's things that I'm struggling with that I can't handle. And there's things that I just can't seem to overcome. And I need your forgiveness and I need your help. And listen, church, God delights in showing His grace in covering our sins and, and giving us the strength and the power and the wisdom to overcome our sins. And, it, and not just a desire to, to cover over our sins, but, but also to comfort us in our sorrows. So I believe that Jesus exposed the sin in her life, not so much, not just so she would realize her need for forgiveness, but but also to deal with her wounds and and the hurts. She had sought comfort and satisfaction in one guy after another. I mean, if you've been divorced five times and you're still trying, uh, and she's never realized that she's come up empty every time. And Jesus wants her to see that she's not going to find satisfaction in a man, and we're not going to find satisfaction in anything that this world has to offer us. Now, in dodging Jesus' question in verse 20, she begins to ask about places to worship, and, and uh, this was another major conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans, and uh, we won't get into all of it, but we know that, that King Solomon built a temple in Jerusalem for the worship of God, and so the Jews believed you had to go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices and worship. The northern kingdom in what they called Samaria, they they had their altar there on Mount Gazarene. And so they disagreed about where you'd go to worship. And I was just thinking about worship and, and trying to, to deal with this. And sometimes, if I were to ask you what comes to your mind when you think about worship, sometimes you think about, going to church or you think about musical instruments or or a, a song leader or a hymn book or or words and but the new testament is strikingly indifferent to all the externals that people think about and debate about worship the bottom line is eternal things don't really matter worship you can worship in a nice i mean this is a nice place to worship in it You can worship in a nice worship center, or you can be in a room in a house church, or when we used to go to Haiti, sometimes we would just be under a tent. It doesn't matter where we worship. And so Jesus said in verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Doesn't matter where. And then he says in verse 22, you worship what you do not know. And let me just pause there for a second. There are so many people who do not know Jesus. And so if you want to know, what's the big deal about taking the gospel to every home? The big deal is there are people who don't know Jesus. And we want them to know about Jesus. We want to share Jesus with them. We want to get Jesus in our neighborhoods. And so Jesus goes on, you worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus here is pointing to himself. He is a Jew, and he is the one who brings salvation. 23, but the hour is coming, and now is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him Jesus is really redefining worship. And He's saying it's not about a place, but it's about a person. It doesn't matter about the place of worship. The Bible is not all that concerned about the externals. What is necessary is the presence of Jesus. And He is the only location that is necessary for worship. He is the place where worship happens. I want us to get that. We we sometimes say things like, "Well, I can't worship in that kind of setting, or I can't worship with those kind of songs, or with those kind of instruments." Listen, you're missing the whole point of worship. All we need to worship is the reality of the presence of Jesus Christ. He is the location where worship happens. And if you have Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're a tent in Africa. It doesn't matter if you're in the prison somewhere in Iraq. Or if you're in Brooklyn Tabernacle, and I mentioned earlier, it'll sound a lot better in Brooklyn Tabernacle, but it doesn't matter. You can still worship wherever you are. Jesus specifies our true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Church, we need both of those. We need to come in spirit and in truth, and the truth is found in the Word of God. And so if we want to worship God, we've got to get in the Word, and we've got to get to know Him. Well, verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. He is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And so this woman had some religion and she knew some some facts. She knew that this anointed one, the Messiah, was supposed to come. And and she thought, well, listen, when he shows up, he'll, he'll solve all these problems. And Jesus looks at her and declares, verse 26, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. And the translation is a little bit difficult. It's hard to translate that in English, but really what Jesus said is, I am. And it's what God said to Moses when Moses was sent to Pharaoh. And he said, well, who am I supposed to tell Pharaoh sent me? And God said, I am sends you. In this verse, Jesus says, I am. He's saying, I am God. I am the Messiah who you thought was coming. I am, I am here. And so the third point this morning, first, be on the lookout for gospel opportunities. Be honest with people. And number three, be prepared to share Christ. A saving relationship with Jesus Christ is what this woman needed more than anything else. And so Jesus is offering himself to to her. And if we look back to, to 14 and 15, whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst again. The water that I'll give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And when the woman heard that, notice in verse 15, she said, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to to draw water. Jesus wasn't talking about physical water, was he? He's talking about satisfying her, her soul with eternal life and And there comes a point that after he said, I'm the Messiah, that, that she gets it. I think she gets it because in verse 28, we didn't read that, but, but notice she left her water jar. She went out there to Jacob's well to get water. She encounters Jesus. And after her encounter, she leaves that jar behind. And she, you get that image? She, she's forgotten about the water. And she went away into town. Now, town was a dangerous place for this woman. It's probably where she got scorned a lot. But she's met Jesus. She goes into town. And notice verse 29. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? I like that, don't you? Church, if, if you have experienced Jesus and He has changed your life, and He has forgiven your sins, and He has given you the gift of eternal life, don't you want to go tell everybody you know about Jesus? Anybody? If you've encountered Jesus, and He's changed your life, forgiven all your sins, given you the gift of eternal life, I, I suspect we ought to want to go tell others about that, and, and go and say, come see a man who has changed my life. And so that's why it's so important that you, we want to help you to be able to share your testimony. We want you to be able to tell others what Jesus has done in, in your heart and in your life. And Listen, Jesus changed your life and He can change the lives of those that you know and love. And listen, it doesn't matter about your past. Maybe this is why this story is in John 4. Because Jesus comes to a lady with a pretty sketchy past. And she was so convinced about Jesus that she risked exposure to herself to tell others about Jesus. I mean, you might think, well, okay, I I want that living water. I want to be saved. But I don't think I'm going to go share it with those people who have been scornful to me. No, she immediately goes back and says, come see a, a man and and listen, they don't blow her off. Verse 30 says they went out of t- the town and were coming to him. They, there was something that convinced her to go and share that with them. And they want to go see. And, and they go see for themselves. And So church, I, I want you to get the whole picture before we conclude. There is this Samaritan woman who comes out to draw water at a hot part of the day. She comes out there when no one else was there because she had a past and was a sort of outcast and and she had a history of adultery and she was living in adultery and and Jesus comes to her and says I've got living water for you and I want to satisfy your soul. And when I read this I say praise God that he meets us where we are even in our sin. At our point of need, and He offers to forgive us and to cover over our sins. And and even to give us a renewed satisfaction in Him. And then, after He gives us the gift of eternal life, He uses us to be a fountain of life for others. It didn't stop with that woman, did it? No, she goes and tells others. And and the gospel is not to stop with you and I. Amen? Amen? No, no, we're part of God's plan to share that good news with others. and Don't miss some of this. Back to verse 4. He had to pass through Samaria. Not really. Not because of geography, but because there was a woman there who was lost in her sins, who needed to be saved. And in that regard, he had to go through Samaria. Now listen, it surprises some of us maybe some of us good church people, that Jesus would go out of his way to reach out to a woman who had been divorced five times and who was living with a man. That surprise anybody? It really shouldn't, should it? It might surprise us, but it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus would do that. And and then as I think about that, I realize that Jesus... Came to a self-righteous teenager and gave me eternal life, and, and then I realized that I was just as lost as that woman in adultery. Do you ever think about that? You say, "Oh, I've never been divorced, not been divorced five times. I'm not living." Listen, that's okay. It's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I think sometimes in the church, we we don't think we're as lost as someone else. And in my self-righteous, I was as bound to hell as she was. And Jesus came and saved me. And I I, I don't know if there's anything more humbling than the thought that God pursues us personally. And He offers Himself to us. And uh, listen, He doesn't leave us in our sins. He doesn't leave us in our hang-ups. He, he comes to our rescue and He pursues us In His love. Listen, there were major boundaries. We don't have time to get into all of them, but there were major boundaries for a Jewish man to talk to a Samaritan woman and Jesus crossed all those boundaries and offered her salvation. And maybe gives us an example that maybe we ought to cross some of our boundaries and share the good news. And there's always some boundaries. But it's worth it to take the good news. There was major boundaries for holy God to be able to have a relationship with sinful man. It was the greatest boundary this world has ever known. And God had a plan to bridge that boundary through Jesus Christ. And uh, sin's offensive to God. God separated from sin. And when I get that in my mind, when I think about that, it... It makes me want to stop pretending. It makes me want to be honest with God. It makes me want to get in the Word and get to know Him more intimately. It makes me want to worship Him in spirit and truth. And more than anything, it, wants, it makes me want to share the good news of Jesus with others. What about you? To think about Jesus coming to you personally? Does that make you want to go share the good news with others? If you're holding on to some sin, maybe, maybe you're holding on to some long-time struggle or, or maybe it's something recent. Maybe you've done everything to keep it covered up. I, I just want to remind you this morning, and and you know this, but you're not hiding it from God. He knows what's going on. And guess what? He desires to cover your sin with his grace and maybe you need to respond this morning by just saying god cover my sin i I don't care if others know about it i want you to cover it and forgive it and jesus i need your forgiveness and i need your power to overcome this sin in my life or or not just this sin but sins in my life i i need your forgiveness and i need your power and some might be here this morning and you're filled with sorrow and pain. And maybe you're like the Samaritan woman. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage or your family or, or your health or your relationships or spiritually. I, I'm going to invite you to bring your pains and sorrows to the Lord. He, Peter said, cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Maybe somebody this morning needs to come and just say, God, I, I can't handle this on my own. I need you to help me. And maybe someone here this morning would be honest enough to say, the Lord has pursued me and pursued me. And I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I'm lost. And I know what He offers. I, I know that He offers forgiveness and eternal life and I've just never responded to His love and His grace and His pursuit. And I don't know why. Maybe it's my pride. Maybe it's my past. But maybe this morning you've come to a point where you say, I'm not going to reject His pursuit anymore. I'm going to respond. And I'm going to drink of that living water and I'm going to receive His forgiveness And this morning, I'm going to take possession of eternal life. Would you be willing to acknowledge that this morning? Would you bow your heads with me and we'll prepare for a moment of invitation. Before we pray, would anybody just be honest and and say this morning, I know that God is pursuing me. I know God is pursuing me and would you just slip your hand up for just a moment? I'd love to pray for you. All right. Father, we come this morning, and we just want to be honest with you. What a beautiful story about Jesus' salvation. And Lord, you come to the, the outcast sometimes, and Lord, this lady was a she was an adulteress. She was living with a man, and man, she'd been divorced five times and Lord, where our sin is great, Your grace is so much greater. And Lord, sometimes in the, in the church, some of us don't think that we're that bad and, and sometimes You have to remind us that we're sinners and in our sin we're separated from You and we're on a broad road that leads to destruction and Jesus came to the rescue. And not just in general, but specifically, personally, He invites us to come and drink of living water. You invite us to come and find satisfaction for our souls. And Father, we acknowledge that we look for satisfaction in so many places. I pray that there might be some today who drink of living water. Who have their sins covered by the blood of Jesus who's able to cast all their sorrows upon You today and find healing and forgiveness. I I pray some would experience what that Samaritan woman experienced. I pray that some would taste and see this morning that You're good and that Your grace is is so beautiful. Lord, I want somebody to be a partaker of Your grace for the first time this morning. I I pray for the lost today that they'd be saved. And if there's someone who's been holding back maybe because of pride or, or maybe they think, God just can't save me because of my past. I, I pray that they can look to this story, this woman, and realize that you're, You offer to forgive all of our sins, to cleanse us, and to bring us into the family. And Lord, for us church people who claim to be saved, I pray that You might give us a heart like this woman to go to town, go to work, and tell people about Jesus. And just simply say, Come, meet a man. Or just say, Lord, let, just say, let me tell you about a man who changed my life. He can change yours. Lord, I, I pray you would stir our hearts to take this good news to those all around us, to neighbors, to family, to friends. Well, we pray You would raise up laborers. We pray You would do that even this morning. Save the lost, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and... I don't know how the Spirit might have spoken to you today, but, but if you've never been saved, I'd invite you to come and enjoy living water. If you have some sorrows or... You've been trying to hide something. You want to get honest with God. I invite you to come pray. I'd love to pray with you. You respond this morning as the Lord leads you. need to pinch yourself when you think about how much God loves you? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, I I was thinking in the first service when we were singing that, that uh, a good gospel transition would be, uh, can I tell you about a man who knows me, knows all about me and still loves me? And uh, you could tell someone about Jesus because he knows you and he still loves you, even in all our messed up stuff, He knows us and loves us. And so, tell someone about Jesus this week. And anybody looking forward to to meeting that woman when you get to heaven? Yeah, I do. I'd like to talk to her. And come see a man who told me everything. Uh, next week's Mother's Day. Uh, let's fill this place up. Bring your moms and and your friends, and uh, worship the Lord. Come come back this afternoon if you're available. Three o'clock. We we won't spend all night. We'll If we have about 50, it won't take us no time to pack up about 2,000 of those, pray over them, and get ready. So 3 o'clock, we'll be downstairs. Danny. Step off. Step
2: in <laughs> um, just the normal stuff for me, guys. The Dollar Club is the clear box as you're on your way out of the church. Uh, they're labeled. The offering boxes are black. And so find those if you feel led to give. And other than that, the deacons will come through and uh, kind of dismiss us. There's quite a few people in here so let, so we don't get kind of piled up in the highway. But uh, let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for this day. The sunshine outside, Lord, and the message that we had here in church this morning. We're so grateful uh, for the things that you have given us and the the gift that you gave us through your son Jesus, and we can't wait to go and tell somebody about it. Lord, thank you for the excitement in this church about getting out and spreading the gospel. And, Lord, help us to just carry that throughout the rest of of our lives, Lord. It's the most important thing that we could do. Uh, We want to lift up all the prayer requests we have here at this church. We have so many in our community and so many in our family, Lord. We just ask for um, some peace, some grace, and and some comfort for all of those families who are going through whatever it is they're going through. And be with us this week as we try to find somebody to share Jesus with. It's in his name we pray. Amen. (laughs)